3: Today we're going to discuss how should whites, blacks, and all members of the human race treat each other, act towards each other. So we've chewed off, we've uh, taken on a big topic today. What does Christ teach us about treating those who may be different than us? What role should forgiveness play in our current conflicts? In a few minutes, we're going to have a very special guest, Pastor Archie Robinson of New Birth Kingdom Covenant Fellowship. Race relations, or what some call tribalism, probably a little bit of a negative word, tribalism, has been a troubled area for America as well as many other parts of the world for literally hundreds of years. Strife between groups is hardly a new problem. It's a very old problem. Sometimes it seems we have times of relative harmony, and then strife rears its head again. It appears that our current environment may be one of the more troubled times, despite many people thinking we've made great strides in in, uh, equality and justice in recent times. So the question is, does the Bible tell us about how members of different races, tribes, or ethnic groups should treat each other? And the answer to that is an unqualified yes. Let's see a few references. Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So I guess in other words, we're not to see each other at least the way I see it as members of different groups, but instead as followers of Christ. Acts 10:34-35 uh, God shows no partiality, but in every nation Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. I think just the fact that we as Christians do believe that God created all his children, he created everything that exists, I think that should tell us that all deserve respect and kindness.
4: Consider Acts 17.26, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Jews have believed this since long before the time of Christ that every human being was descended from a single ancestor, Adam. In fact, many secular scientists believe that all humankind is descended from a single ancestor. So that should mean something to all of us, in a very real sense. We are all brothers and sisters. At the end of the Old Testament, Malachi 2.10 states, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers?
3: I just want to add one more scripture because I think it just really clearly illustrates how the Bible gives us the message of equality in Jesus Christ. Here then is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. That's Colossians 3.11. So... Just before going to our special guest today I want to talk about a really extraordinary person who tells his story of being black in America and his struggle to overcome adversity through his faith in Christ. He he has an autobiography called My Grandfather's Son and it's now been made into a PBS documentary that was just released in May. The name of the documentary Created Equal Clarence Thomas in his own words. It's the story of the only African-American serving on the U.S. Supreme Court. The life of Clarence Thomas, I think, exemplifies how one man strove to live the ideal to which Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave his life. What I mean is the ideal of not judging anyone on the color of their skin or anything else to do with outward appearance or what group they may belong to, but seeing the content of their character. So just a little synopsis. Clarence Thomas was born into extreme poverty in Pinpoint, Georgia, in the segregated South. His father left the family when Clarence was two years old, and he was raised by his grandfather, who he says trained he and his brother in tough love, faith in Christ, and hard work. Many of the lessons his grandfather taught him stayed with him, although he did abandon them for a time.
4: Thomas entered the Catholic seminary, training to be a priest. As the times changed during the late 1960s, Thomas began to rebel against the faith of his upbringing. Angered by his fellow seminarian's racist comments following the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. in 1968 and disillusioned by his church's general failure to support the civil rights movement, Thomas left the seminary. Instead, he joined the developing black power movement. In his book, Thomas tells of his struggle with alcohol and with a difficult marriage. He also began seeing the efforts of the left to seek mainly for political power as misguided. He was accepted to Yale Law School, but while there, he experienced what he came to see as the faults of the Affirmative Action Program. He felt as if some of his colleagues did not judge him on the content of his character, but minimized his previous achievements and saw him mainly as the beneficiary of the program. Despite this treatment, he returned to his grandfather's values of hard work and perseverance. He graduated and began a long and productive career as a lawyer defending civil rights. In 1991, President George H.W. Bush nominated Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court of the United States. His confirmation hearings tested his character and principles, and many felt that he was unfairly accused. But he prevailed. In his 29 years on the court, Clarence's faith has sustained him and guided his jurisprudence. He has served with honor.
3: So Clarence Thomas did experience racism. He also says he experienced the negative effects from well-meaning programs that instead of Furthering Dr. King's ideals of colorblindness seemed to actually sow further division. I want to tell one other brief story from my own life. I was born in Detroit, but I grew up in an all-white suburb outside of Detroit. And when I was growing up, there were a lot of all-white suburbs around Detroit. I did not know any African Americans personally. When I was in high school, the civil rights movement was taking, in some cases, a a more militant or, in some cases, violent turn, there were the big Detroit riots, and these affected our family. I had worked part-time in my uncle's print shop, and all that part around him was burned down, except for his shop. He, My uncle felt the need to arm his employees to protect his business. But that was overall a frightening experience for me, and I think I may have developed, I think I did develop a certain prejudice out of that experience that I don't think I had before. So then one or two years later, I was in high school, I had a chemistry teacher who organized Saturday workdays in what was called the ghetto. I participated in these, I helped local folks who were poor, but really appreciated it when we worked alongside them. We we brought in supplies, we brought in paint and other things, we painted their houses, we helped clean up, working side by side. And that was really the first time I'd gotten to know some Blacks on a personal level. I remember this one lady. She was a single mom. She had so much to manage, but she was so resourceful. She was kind. She was humble. She was thankful for our help. It just made me more aware. I became more sensitive. I told myself, I'm going to see people as individuals, not as members of any group. And it took some working on, but I feel like I did have a heart change and human interaction was so important. God calls us to treat every person with the respect due to every human being that he has created. So right after the break, we're now going to have our special guest, my friend, Pastor Archie Robinson of New Birth Kingdom Covenant Fellowship in San Diego.
2: There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K
5: Praise. In these tumultuous times, are you concerned about the future of freedom? The National Center for Law and Policy is your voice in the courts and culture advocating for and defending faith, family, and religious freedom. We believe the Church of Jesus Christ is an essential service. Recently, our litigation on behalf of churches coupled with public policy advocacy helped pressure Governor Newsom to do the right thing open churches in California months earlier than was planned. The National Center for Law and Policy is only able to continue to provide free legal representation to increasingly persecuted individuals and organizations because of the prayers and generous financial support of our ministry partners. Please continue to join our team and support our work. Find out more at our website, nclplaw.org, or visit us on Facebook. Welcome back
2: to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melonakis on K-Praise.
3: Christ is risen from
0: the dead. We are one with him again.
3: going to have a special guest, as I mentioned, Pastor Archie Robinson of New Birth Kingdom Covenant Fellowship. I first met Archie as one of a group of African-American pastors who were working together to realize the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King, who dreamed of the day that men and women would be blind to skin color and other differences, but instead judged by the content of their character. Archie, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly well. So could you tell us a little bit about the content of character group?
6: Well, it's just like you explained. uh, uh, The young lady who was over, actually, Gail is the one who got in contact with us. And then uh, we started meeting um, all the pastors that were like-minded and just trying to make things happen and trying to bring forth unity um, came together and they've been working on trying to get us to, uh, pull a, you know, a, the like-mindedness of, of us focusing toward God in all situations.
3: Tell us a little bit more, Archie, I've gotten to know you a bit in the last few months, but tell us a little bit more about you. I mean, like, when did you become a believer? How did you become okay. a believer?
6: Actually, I was brought up in a church. Uh, My dad was a pastor. In fact, I'm fourth generation or fifth generation of of pastors. great Grandfather, grandfather, pop, dad, and five of his uncles or whatever was pastors. But I didn't want to be one. So I ended up coming to California, and the Lord arrested me right here in California. Right after I left Texas at 18 years old, uh, the Lord uh, saw fit to transform me for a good cause.
3: So... When did, you, uh, when did you actually start New Birth Covenant Church? Tell us a little bit about that, and tell us a little bit about your, your congregation.
6: Well, I, I um, started out in the denominational church um, here in San Diego, and I was there for three years. And then um, the Lord saw fit for us to start uh, New Birth in 97, and um, so we've been going strong since then. And uh, it's been a blessing. We've been together for more than 20 years now. And um, just doing uh, what the kingdom of God desires for us to do.
3: Yeah, I, kn- I know I've appreciated how much you've, you've I think, taught us more about the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, do you want to say anything about how you... Well, it, it, everything
6: that we do has got to be governed by Holy Spirit. I mean... We, we've taken so much control of our lives, we won't let God have control of it. So therefore, when he's trying to direct us or guide us and lead us, we doubt what he's saying or we haven't learned to hear his voice. And so therefore, we just, you know, do what we want to do and then say, God, now help us, instead of saying, God, we need you to guide us. So that's what Holy Spirit is for, to lead and guide us and actually direct us to God's truth. But we've got so many other truths in the world today that it's more of our mindset of how we think it ought to go than what God declares, and I believe right now uh in the in Christendom we're getting shook up a little bit so we can really hear what God is saying because you hear so many voices there's so many voices, and we got to know when the Bible says that we know His voice if we hear his sheep
4: well that's what I've really loved about going to. <clears throat> the new birth covenant i just have jo- enjoyed the spirit everyone there regardless of background is loving welcoming i just love this the team of spirit field gospel singers yes. you know how you sing the, the part of the sermon and the keyboard and the singer singers come swelling up in sound and it just envelops you and and there's just a feeling of unity and the, and it just lifts you up you know, on Mother's Day we attended, and after not having been there for at church for so long, and and it was just so joyful, and it was the happiest thing that I'd done in weeks. And so, it's just a, a heavenly thing to sing together, to worship together, to hear you preach the word, and and it builds unity. It really does.
6: Amen. When we come together in God, it will bring forth unity. Uh, we try to come together in, in politics and all those all those things are, are frail. We are part of another government It's called the kingdom of God, and that's what god that's the only thing that Jesus talked about when he was here on earth about his kingdom your king He told us to pray, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." We try to do all little little things on the side and try to bring people together. You can't bring people together without heart change, and God is the only one who can change the heart.
3: You know, I think, Archie, you've kind of already maybe answered what I was thinking of for my next question, but let's face it right now, and I'm sure you are uh, you must be impacted by it in terms of things you hear and conversations and so on. We're seeing particular racial tension in our country, all across the country, especially since the uh, killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. You want to just, you can talk about that however you want, but I mean, what are you hearing and then if you wouldn't mind commenting, uh, I'm a little concerned, I think some of us are a little concerned about Black Lives Matter, not not the concept of Black Lives Matter, but maybe the organization Black Lives Matter, any, any thoughts on any of that?
6: My, my thoughts on that is yes, Black Lives does matter, but they matter all the time. Um, Nobody loves black lives more than Christ did. He died for everybody. But I understand the concept and the thought about what they're saying. Um, I don't like the political piece of it and how it how it derived and all of that. But I am for all lives matter. But, yeah, we're particularly talking about blacks because now that's why the flash is there. It's been racial tension all the time. But I believe, here I go again saying this, God is trying to awaken us to get beyond what, I, what you see on the outside of me, trying to let you see what really makes me go, what makes me live. And I say this, if believers, white, black, brown, and green, or whatever color you consider yourself, I like what one pastor says, we're all shades of black. But there is no black. You're not white, and I'm not black. We, you, you, there's not a black. We're all shades of brown. All of us are. We came from the dirt. So therefore, don't let me get sidetracked on that. But the thing is, is that we got to realize if we just do what Jesus said, all of this would change if believers would do it. We can't expect the world to do it. But we, like I said, we've been guided by ourselves and our concept of how it's supposed to be and not really understanding that God's purpose at all was to make one new man. When he died on the cross, he was trying to make us one. and That's what it's supposed to be. But we put denominations in the way. We put our own little, you know, all these little scriptural things that we feel. Instead of every denomination believes in Jesus, I believe. But we all these are divided. The enemy uses it. And he's constantly using it when it comes to race.
3: You know, one of the... Best examples or positive things kind of supporting what you're saying was that citywide prayer gathering that we had on a uh, few weeks ago. And you awesome. you were one that of the leaders awesome. of it. We were very privileged yes. to be a part of that. You want to tell us about that a little bit, and is there and, going to be another one, I hope?
6: Well, we were talking about it. I was in the East County uh, Pastors Fellowship yesterday, and uh, it was mentioned. And we don't know when, but we need to do it. I feel like we need to do it often myself, but I know how lazy Christians are. (laughs) But my thing is, my thing is, it was so awesome to have fellowship with so many, and that was a breaking down of all denominations and all these other things, because everybody, every creed, every color, parents, children, it was such, I think that's what heaven's going to be like. It was like my god we were all calling out to jesus that was just awesome
3: to me and i i just felt the and i know you did but i just felt the power of the spirit there and we were people were at least the corner we were on people were praying in different circles and that. And there was this one lady by herself and and i asked her to uh join us and not that it matters but she was a member you'd say of a different ethnic group and she just mm-hmm. well she just was glad that we asked her and she came in she didn't necessarily want to pray out loud herself but she just stayed with us and at the end of it all we just had a great conversation with her and it was just i don't know it was just i wish we could do that you know like every day or something you know maybe start out <laughs> start out each day or something like that
6: absolutely that would that would be really 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 good and those are some things and ideas um, that the church ought to be talking about right now because we really do need to unify with God uh, I don't care about your political status I don't I really don't I just want if you if you so much uh, caught up in that I just want to whatever your if you're democrat liberal or whatever it don't matter or, or, or republican it doesn't matter to me my thing is is that We need to obey God. If you're a Christian, look at what God's saying about whatever the politics are. If God is saying, don't do, don't do. If God's saying to do, then do that. But there's so many things that are going contrary to God that we got to stand up and just declare, not so much fight it, but let's bring heaven down into it. And then that'll cause us to react. I don't want to say react, but bring forth action because we've been reacting too much. We haven't been on the forefront of causing change. We've always been on the back and then trying to supplement something in to try to make a change.
4: I've had an idea. What if every time there was a protest of the, the, the Black Lives Matter or the people that are so angry, what if hundreds of Christians showed up to pray and sing at the same time? What do you think well, about that?
6: I, I think that sounds good, but if God don't tell us to do it, I don't think we should. It's just like when the children of Israel were going um, to, to their promised land. and They gave them specific instructions what to do. That's and he true. said, well, I want you to walk around this wall, and I don't want you to say anything. I don't want you to say anything until this trumpet blows, and then when you do, the walls will fall. Okay, so we need to have God's strategy. That when this happens, if that's what he wants us to do, then do it. But we also want to just take things on our, on our own. That's how so many disturbances come because we feel like, well, we need to rebut this. We need to change. But no, what we need to do is ask God. And if He has us to just come around and just stand on the corner and don't say nothing, lift up our hand. That would be a great weapon right there. We always want to say something, but don't say nothing until God tells you to say something. So I, if are having that. a black you know
3: what I mean? Thanks for that that counsel, Archie. Thanks for all your counsel today. Thanks for taking taking the time. So um, we're really blessed to gain the insights from Pastor Archie. Kath, you want to just share what our Bless Your Neighbors step is this week or action item?
4: Well, to bless your neighbors during the coming week, we ask you to pray for reconciliation between all nations, tongues, and peoples. Seek out someone different than you and listen empathetically to their life story. Share your story. Really listen to them. Pray for those caught in in, insurgent groups that they may come to know the truth of Jesus. Seek to know what God wants you to do every moment of every day. Consciously seek to see all people as created by God.
3: Thanks, Kathleen. Thank you for joining us. Next week, we're going to have another special guest, Dr. Judy Mikeowitz, who's an expert in virology and author of the best selling book, Plague of Corruption. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen Let's Roll on K Praise.
1: Scripture tells us, if you say, I hope all goes well, what good is it unless you do something to help? In other words, if you are a voting age believer trusting God to protect and restore Judeo-Christian values in America, if you don't vote, what good are you doing? Or if you want to see biblical values in government, what good is it unless you do something to help? Fortunately, BiblicalVoter.com is a robust website designed to connect you with the best biblical voter resources out there, so you can be God's game changer in this one Nation under God. Using BiblicalVoter.com, you can register to vote in minutes or access some of the best faith based voter guides and other resources in America. You can quickly discover which candidates, pending legislation, and measures violate or support your biblical values and how. Visit www.biblicalvoter.com right now and prepare yourself and friends to stand for godliness. You're not alone. Split BiblicalVoter.com, then pray and obey.